Hello and welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Gore. Each week I invite inspirational guests along for a chat to try and find out what it takes to be the best. Today we'll be talking about mindset, collaboration, creativity and what it takes to become successful. Uh, we're very grateful to be joined today by a very special guest, Will Champion, the drummer for the world-famous band Coldplay. Uh, as one of the greatest bands not only to have come out of Britain, but the world, Coldplay have released eight studio albums. They've won seven of their 29 Grammy nominations and have sold a massive 100 million records worldwide, uh, making them one of the most successful bands of all time. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have known Will for over 20 years now. We worked together in the Student Union Bar at the University of London Union and I've followed his career uh, very intently ever since then. And it's been a real uh, source of inspiration to me. So welcome, Will. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Spencer. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Good to speak again. Good to speak. So yeah. it's, it's, it's great to have you with us, and thank you for taking the time out of your day for a chat. You've had an extraordinary career in show business, um, but I'm intrigued to know, you know how you got into it. Sure. Yeah, well, I grew up in a, quite a musical household. Certainly my mum was a very musical person, uh, a lot of singing and a lot of music in the house. Um, and I played various instruments growing up at school lessons with varying degrees of success I didn't necessarily apply myself that much to them because I found reading music very difficult um, and I still find it impossible isn't it like a foreign language but I can I can hear it uh, and I my mum taught me some chords on the guitar and yeah. and just started picking things up from there and then um, when I went to university I took a guitar with me and um, lots of people were very, there were lots of musical people in, in that hall where we all, yeah. uh, where we all grew up. As Good it old Ramsey Hall. Uh, Ramsey Hall, exactly. Um, <laughs> and for some reason in that, in that particular year, there were in our year, in our sort of batch, there were a lot of, a lot of very musical people, lots of people coming to London to try and sort of sniff people out and see, see who, you know, who they might be able to make music with and, I didn't necessarily come to London with that idea. I wanted to come. I, I wanted to be in London because it looked exciting, and my, my brother had been there, as you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I just, I, I, but it was always, I was always interested in in playing music with people. But then it became clear to me that there were people there who were very obviously brilliantly talented already, but were were very much looking to collaborate. And so, the Chris and Johnny started playing music together. Uh, guitars and writing stuff and then Guy joined and then we were all mates at this point but it was uh, they needed some drums yeah. on a four track EP that they were going to send off to XFM and to various other radio stations and it didn't uh, it didn't have any drums on we didn't have any uh, I didn't have any drums but my flatmate at the time had some drums um, I didn't really play the drums at the time I, I would I had played other instruments but I had lived next door to a drummer when we were growing up in Southampton and sort of maybe some of that permeated so I stepped in and played something on one song and then it just sort of it sort of stuck from there and I was desperate to be involved in some form although I wasn't as good uh, guitarist as Johnny I couldn't play the bass and I couldn't write songs or sing so I thought well I'll try and squeeze myself into this into this role of being a drummer and then it all sort of took off from there so I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and with a limited skill set but an ability to, <laughs> to, to learn. Is that something you'd always wanted to do being a band? I think it's the sort of thing that you in the back of your mind you always hope but I, I suspect um, I didn't really 
ever think that it would happen until you know until the first rehearsal with yeah. the with the guys because then it was very clear that there was something that Chris's songs were were very very powerful and you know not just your normal student schlock. So I think I just felt like I was blessed to be in the right place and to be able to take advantage of the opportunity when it came. And I'm just so grateful, you know, for, for all those, yeah. all those little twists of fate that landed us up in that same place. Yeah. In 90, 90, end of 96. Touching on what you said there about Chris, you know, and, and, and knowing that you weren't going to be a, a normal student band. What point did you think, you know, we're, we're more than just a student band. We are, we, you know, we've got a very good chance of being very successful. I think, I mean, I wasn't sure about the success part of it, but I certainly could, I certainly knew the quality of the songs immediately, really, from, from the very first moment I sat behind the kit and heard, or yeah. you know, sat in the same room and, and started listening, literally kind of, oh gosh, that's goosebumps already, yeah. you know, that's, it's really, that's a wonderful start. So yeah, I definitely knew that, that, that Chris's songs were, were already Excellent. And there's something magical about the way that he, his songs and Johnny's guitar sort of intertwined. And there was already the seeds of that thing, which is kind of, you know, what we've been working on all these years. Yeah. That's ah, fascinating to hear. And yeah, I, I remember some of the early days watching you in places like Jonglers and The Borderline. And uh, yeah, my little claim to fame is that I was on stage with you when you played at Yulu uh, <laughs> twice. Um, but talk me through that phase of your success. I remember you, you getting played on Radio One and stuff like that. And, and you, you get record labels approaching you. How do you, how do you deal with those sort of big decisions? Well, the thing that we're most grateful for, there was um, a lady called Debs, Deborah Wild, Debs Wild, who's, who was working for a record company at the time and she really loved what we were doing but she said I don't think that my record company is the right one for you I would love to sign you but I, I don't think it's right for various reasons but yeah. what you should do is speak to this guy Gavin Maud who was a lawyer and he said right. just get get yourself a good lawyer and because if things do start to come in if offers do start to come in you're going to need someone who can decipher that contract and work out what it's you know what, what it's right. actually means because we wouldn't have had a clue you know yeah, so i yeah. think it was very key to get some important people in place so first of all we started i mean phil harvey who was our yeah. is our fifth member really and, and an old school friend of chris's came down from he was studying at a different university and he quit there to come and kind of um to come and help us out and to come and sort of act as a manager slash agent slash uh, promoter slash he, he did it all he was he was wonderful but we also need yeah so him him being involved was key uh and also getting a lawyer because we did start to get um interest from people and an early offer came in that we were obviously very excited about because someone offered yeah. us a record deal but then our lawyer was like no this is not this is not something that you want to sign up to it's not it's it looks a bit you know it's a bit onerous it's a bit shady or whatever it was yeah and, uh, so it was really getting that advice and then and then it started after in, in like in so many things so many industries you can struggle we didn't struggle necessarily but we, we sent a, we, we sent music to people for a long time and yeah. nothing really happened and we went to play at this thing called in the city which is a big unsigned bands showcase in manchester and no one really came debs was the only person that we that ever got in touch with us off the back of that and yeah. it was it took a long while in fact the person that ended up signing us did come and watch us and walked out after about three minutes i think but then <laughs> about about nine months later or six months later 
was the one that ended up signing us. There's so much sort of rejection or there's so much kind of nothing happens. And then suddenly one person sticks their neck out and everyone else jumps on it. And then yeah. it becomes it becomes something that you have to, you know, you have to start making decisions. But we were lucky enough to be approached by a, a brilliant record company and people that we really respected were already on that label. And so um, in the end, it wasn't too difficult a decision. And, 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 I, and I remember talking to, uh, to your brother, Ed, um, not long after you'd signed that deal and and um, you know Ed obviously was at UCL as well and and he told me that you'd been asked to leave the band yeah, so tell us how you dealt with that and how your mindset helped you get through that time uh yeah that was a weird one I mean it's, it's uh, well we've spoken about it before uh it was really I think uh, a very important lesson that we all learned very early on yeah uh I think I'm not surprised that it was me. I think in many other circumstances, I'm sure it's not, you know, it's quite often the drummer who gets, <laughs> who gets it in the neck. Yeah. But that's, you know, I think you know what you're signing up for when you start to play the drum. The so, goalkeeper of the bands. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it was, yeah, it was just quite strange. I think it was a mixture of things, partly um, inexperience on, on, on all of our behalf, especially mine as I was the most limited musically. The other guys had, were sort of already brilliant at their instruments and, and continue to get better. Whereas I, I think I'd hit a, a ceiling where I couldn't really improve without actually taking some more lessons. So I ended up, I did start taking lessons um, because I thought, gosh, the, I, I've got to keep up with the, with the fellas. Otherwise, you know, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not going to end well. And we, we had done some recording with a, with a producer early on, uh, before our sort of in the sessions towards our first album and it hadn't gone particularly well certainly not from, from my point of view he was a he was a uh he was a great producer but i think he just he maybe realized that i probably wasn't good enough yet but most importantly i think that in the kind of couple of weeks after that decision there was just a feeling on both sides certainly from i, I felt like it was you know I, I felt like it was a disaster i was so upset but also, I think, fortunately, when, when they started to think about finding another drummer, I think that process didn't go very well. And very quickly, it was apparent that perhaps it's not always about yeah. technical ability. Perhaps it's, you know, in a team like that is the, the personalities, the four of us that all bring yeah. something different, not necessarily always that visible, not necessarily that kind of tangible even. But we recognize that if you take one part of it out, the rest of it doesn't work so well so it, it was scary at the time uh, but yeah. it was an important lesson for sure I, I, yeah i guess it's you know how important that culture is it's, it's the sum of the parts are, are greater than the individuals the, the reason i asked about that I, i'm interested to know if you think that that trust um that, that and the togetherness that that brought do you think that was a major a major part in in, in the success of the band i think it was certainly as i said it, it helped us to really understand what it was that it was important to us and what it what was going to set us apart hopefully because yeah. i think like marriages or or relate any kind of relationship at all it's it's really important to keep that to work out what it is that's unique and special and then protect it at all costs yeah and, and and so i'm intrigued to know you know we in in a in a business um you know you have a ceo on a, on a sports team you might have a manager and and ultimately you know for me i'm the ceo of, of, the, of the company here and i've got you know 55 different opinions 
but the buck stops with me. I have to make a decision and I have to live by that decision. And how do you manage that in a band where you've got, you know, obviously conflicting opinions of what you want to do and how you want to do it. Do you ever get to that point where the four of you have a completely separate opinion and, and you're trying to make it work for all of you? Definitely. I mean, there's always tricky decisions, but that that decision-making process has to be fair. And so, yeah, there are, there are certain, I don't, I wouldn't say there's that many decisions that happen where there's a major disagreement. There are some, and I think we've, we've have this, it's not quite, not a joke necessarily, but there's a sort of, you get one kind of veto yeah. uh, per album. <laughs> so yeah. if, it's, if there's a song that you really, really, really don't like, you know, you're allowed to play that card, but you only get one. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, it can be difficult, but generally common sense prevails. We all know that we want to get to the same place. And it's just occasionally we differ in our ideas about how we're going to get there. And normally it's pretty, as I said, it's pretty, it's pretty clear cut. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, when you're recording the albums, but I guess particularly when you're doing your, your world tours, I mean, I think the last time I, I, I saw you, we were in Gothenburg at the after show party. So you've done a three hour set, then you've got to go out and, and be social and, and, and mix with people. And then you've got to do it all over again. How do you, how do you keep yourself disciplined and focused doing that for two years? Well, again, another one of the benefits of, of being given a, a career that has spanned over a, a few years it just means that you can learn every time you know the, the beginning the tours that we did at the beginning were really arduous and stressful in terms yeah. of the, what, the way that it the way that we traveled the amount of shows that you know it was just really intense nine yeah. weeks on a on a tour bus you know that with non-stop that's that was yeah. those, those were difficult those were more difficult times they were brilliant it was so much fun don't get me wrong yeah. but they were it was easy to get sick it was easy to burn out it was um but i think we've worked out now the sort of pace at which we can tour whereby yeah. everyone is happy there are occasionally points where we have to kind of dig in a little bit and where uh, just because of logistics you have to squeeze in a couple more shows than you would be comfortable with but right. generally we've worked out a, a way it's, it's the most important thing is trying to carry out trying to carry out a tour where you don't have to cancel any shows i mean because yeah. if we if we started to compromise on the timing and spacing of those trying to squeeze more in more would inevitably get cancelled i think the th we have to be careful of chris's voice he can't do too many in a row of those long shows yeah. um and we're all getting older now as well you know that sort of that we need that you need a bit of rest between yeah. shows so we're just a, a lot more conscious about how to how to uh schedule a tour that allows us to stay healthy and to stay motivated and not too long away from our families and we tend to do a lot of touring in the school holidays so our kids can be with us for as much as possible so all of that stuff is taken into account and when you take five people's um diaries and, and then <laughs> take take all the kind of blackout days like no can't do that can't do that you're, you're not left with a great deal so it's it's a it's a scheduling nightmare for our yeah. agents and promoters and management but they do an absolutely brilliant job and it just means that we don't you know we don't end up cancelling shows like we used to when we were maybe pushing a bit too hard yeah so i guess in yeah, in, in, a, in a business sense it's, you, when you've got a formula that works you, you just process it and, and i guess you've got that formula that works for your tools so you just stick to that and, and, and keep doing it. yeah and just making sure that i think 
it's all very well trying to kind of be trying to cover as much ground as possible or trying to be as productive as possible but if you if you stop enjoying it if you stop uh kind of if if it stops being enjoyable that it's a problem and then the shows start to suffer and we, we've always thought let's invest as much as we can in in getting people to enjoy themselves it means maybe we don't make as our show costs that we're, we're quite expensive at the costs of each show because there's a lot of stuff that goes on we don't want to price our tickets too highly because we want to always encourage people young people really with who don't have as much disposable money to spend on tickets we want to encourage them so we keep our ticket prices low so we want people to come to our show thinking ah I, this was I, I saved up my money for this but it was totally worth it so i think that's that's the that's the feeling we want to to inspire is just like gosh that was two or three hours of of really great enjoyment yeah and you know, talking of touring i i've lost track of the number of times i've seen you i remember once early on seeing you at the brixton academy and, and afterwards standing outside with your dad and, and your brother and you came and had a chat to us as the, there's hundreds of fans streaming past almost oblivious to you i think one or two probably came up and said hello and another time at wembley uh chatting to chatting to ed whilst jay-z was on stage and, and you came over and said hi and and you know there's eighty thousand people there that have paid to see you but Again, it's almost like you, you, you can go unnoticed, which yeah. I guess is a real bonus. But, you know, you, there, there must be times a band of your size, just by sheer, sheer numbers, that you're going to get some negative publicity. Um, you know, how do you stay positive in those times? And how, how do you deal with that sort of scrutiny that you're facing? Yeah, well, firstly, the, it's a great benefit being the drummer uh, <laughs> in terms of my sort of invisibility or anonymity it's brilliant i have to I, i'm not someone who enjoys being in the spotlight particularly so i'm just so grateful that i've i'm at the back of the stage surrounded yeah. by stuff in terms of the negative publicity there's all i mean as you said when when something becomes of a certain size immediately it's going to attract more opinions and less of those opinions are going to be positive uh and it's something that we come, came to terms with. It used to really, it used to really hurt reading things yeah. that were you know, that were not uh, friendly or kind. But it's you know it's inevitable. And and quite often now I just don't I I just don't read anything. It's just no, there's no point in yeah. in getting involved in it. I know what I I know what I feel about our music and our our band, and I know what I feel like when we're playing shows and I can see people are enjoying themselves and there is no point in getting obsessed with people's opinions of yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's pointless. Uh, I, we're so lucky that anyone likes us. We're so lucky that we get a chance to, to play music to people and do this for a living. And so I thought yeah. I'm sort of long, long beyond long, long past the point yeah. where those sorts of things really matter uh so it's you know we've been around long enough to now have the mindset where whereby we just think we can really be of service of use to lots of people and if people don't aren't interested that's great and they sh no one should I, I we don't feel bad about that we can't possibly yeah. be a band that is liked by everyone and that's that's absolutely fine but i know that there are plenty of people that really do like our band and so we're there for those people and that's really that's really how we look at it yeah
No, I, 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 t- I think it's the same thing. Yeah, I, you can only control the controllables. If you, you, know, you can't control what someone else is thinking. And the only, th- only different view of it I've heard on that recently was I did a podcast with a guy, and he said, actually, he, he celebrates the more people that dislike him because he says it's just a percentage. He said if ten percent of people don't like me, the more, mm. the, the more people that don't like me, that means there's there's ninety percent more that do like me. So it's it's a he, right, he, just, yes. he tries to take that positive mindset from that way, which I thought was quite interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure some people I think some people react differently to criticism, you know, yeah. and I think that's it's really difficult to know uh, how, you know, that's why the, the great football managers seem to know how, yeah. what 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 kind of cues to give someone whether there's someone that reacts well to being shouted at or whether someone needs you know a bit more protecting or put someone to put their arm around them so it's yeah. it's it's different for everyone but i think we're as early on i think a lot of those criticisms probably uh made us think about ourselves you either think oh gosh yeah maybe they, they've got a point there or it makes you think no you're absolutely wrong about that and here's why yeah. so it really focuses your attention on on your um on what it is that you're doing musical criticism is one thing i think when people start uh being unkind about about personalities and things yeah. like that i think that becomes more difficult to deal with and fortunately i don't really have to deal with that that much because as you said my my invisibility is my uh, <laughs> my superpower so I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 it doesn't doesn't really come to me much but i know that it's something that is really difficult for chris to deal with sometimes for sure yeah uh, and and on, the, on the flip side of the on the on the negativity the positivity i mean you, you you four guys have been a massive inspiration to me as i've i've spoken to you about in the past you know how how four ordinary guys for want of a better phrase can can go on to be one of the best bands in the world and i i remember setting up my first business in 2008 and and that concert we were talking about there at wembley with jay-z supporting Mm. I, I got such a buzz from seeing you guys playing at Wembley Stadium. It was mm-hmm. amazing. You know, you, what it must have been like for you personally, right? you know, I, can't, I can't imagine. But the buzz mm. I got from that, and then I, I, I used that as a, a challenge for myself to say, right, okay, next time you guys play at Wembley, um, I want to be in a position that my company's grown to the size where I can take a corporate box on, mm. bring, all, bring all my friends along. And then in 2016, you, you played at Wembley again. The, the buzz I got from ha- taking that box and inviting oh, my friends along was, was, that's was, great. was brilliant. But you know, how do you guys inspire yourself? What sort of goals and challenges do you set yourself, particularly having, having been at that sort of level for 20-odd years now? Mm. What, what uh, keeps you going? Knowing that there's always more songs that might come out, you know, I think uh, if you were to ask us 20 years ago what our secret list of ambitions would be, I, I would probably honestly say that we that we we're lucky enough to say that we've probably done most of them. Yeah. You know, the awards and stuff don't really mean anything, but in terms of playing Glastonbury and yeah. doing a big world tour and releasing whatever it is, eight records and that kind of stuff is is really extraordinary. So I think now. I think now, and especially uh, in the sort of global climate we find ourselves in, I think our our ambitions are to just provide an opportunity for people, whether it's just listening to music on their own or whether coming to concerts, although, you know, who knows when those are going to come back again. <laughs> um, but just to provide a kind of a, a community or, or a sense of togetherness and uh, just something that that makes you feel great and we love playing music together it's so much fun that's yeah. really i think we we're lucky that our relationships are still 
really strong um i think we just it's it's so much fun what we do and yeah, that's yeah. really enough to keep keep us going because as i said we've worked really hard over the last 20 years to get to where we are so now it's all about just having a lot of fun with whatever it is that we do and trying to make a a positive difference it's just yeah. a, it's a great feeling yeah definitely and and, and you know, finally you know, for, for, for most people they might go into work Monday to Friday, nine to five or whatever it is, but then at the weekend or, or whenever they've got their time off or the, they're trying to relax, they'll go and do a bit of sport or they might play some music. You know, when that's your full-time job, how do you, you know, what is it that you use to, to get that relaxation away from music? I know you're obviously a big Southampton fan and I, I know you're interested in your restaurants and you, you like a good red. Um, yeah. what, what, what is it that you do to, to relax away from music? Well, I mean... <laughs> With a young family, a growing family, it's, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, but there are, you know, there's not, there's not that much opportunity for, for relaxation, <laughs> yeah. is there? As, as I'm sure anyone out there who has kids. Yep. And, and it's great because it's a real, it's a real grounding uh, influence as well. So generally at the, at the weekends, um, my kids are so busy. So I'm, yeah. I coach my daughter's hockey team on a Sunday. Yep. I do that every every Sunday, uh, which is wonderful. I lo- I really enjoy that kind of. I'm a bit. I've, I've, I used to play football a lot in the week, but I just kept getting injured, and that's not great when you're touring. So you yeah. know, break, pull your calf muscle or, or break <laughs> a toe when playing football, and turning up to a concert in Brazil yeah. the next day. You know, not being able to play properly. So it, so I've really enjoyed that side of um, of coaching because it means you still get that fix of kind of walking onto a pitch and, you know, yeah. that feeling of, of people around you and that buzz. And it's just lovely to be involved with, with youth. I think that's just such a nice way of keeping young yourself. Um, yeah. But all my kids do different stuff. And so the weekends are just mad kind of, I'm just a courier basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Taxi exactly. Driver. Taxi service. Yeah. I know yeah. that feeling. <laughs> so, but I love it though. It's, it's great. It's great to be there, to be able to be there for my kids and to take them to these things and, they're so lucky that they've got so many opportunities and so that's that's brilliant and I like to read a lot um and just be at home really you know more and more I think I suppose when I was younger I had felt this sort of need to kind of be out and about and you think oh you know you've got to try and make the most of this being being in a band and I, I enjoyed lots of it but I think as I, as I get older my I just I'm just really desperate to to be with my kids as long as, as while they're still at home because I'm, yeah. I'm starting to stare that down now it's like gosh yeah. a few years time they're gonna they're gonna have left and we're gonna be on our own again my wife and I so yeah I'm trying to make the most of that while while we can so that's really it's it's not necessarily relaxing but it's a it's definitely a change of uh, change of yeah. mindset for sure it clears the head a little bit definitely brilliant well look we're, we're running out of time um so, so thank you very much for coming on it's been fascinating to hear from you and it's, it's good as ever to catch up i'm sure our listeners um can learn a huge amount from that um in, in terms of what it takes to be successful and, and and that functioning within a team bit i think was great as well so um thank you very much for doing that will it's uh, as i say a pleasure as ever and uh, speak soon thanks so much spencer it's lovely to talk to you